evening and welcome to the Jersnet weekly podcast, although but like Rangers these days, it's not weekly, it's every couple of days, I think, over the festive season. Uh, this is um, episode 228 of the Jersnet podcast. My name is John McCallum. Uh, I'm joined tonight by Patrick Caskey, but we'll, we'll introduce you formally in a little second. Um, Jersnet, of course, is the independent Rangers podcast made by fans for fans. Um, the content is free. Uh, now, it's not just the podcast we have here. There is our forum, there are articles, there are social media. Um, there's a great history archive. jersnet um, has got lots of things. Um, and of course, if you are watching this live, uh, please do feel free to subscribe. Um, we're, we've got quite a, a busy schedule coming up. There's going to be quite a lot of podcasts, uh, a lot of stuff to catch up on. Uh, and if you missed any of the, the ones that were done, uh, over the last few weeks, particularly the ones over the World Cup, uh, focusing on the World Cup, uh, tune in. There's some, there's some really good stuff there. Okay. Um, before I get to introduce us, uh, Patrick and, and have a chat about the game, I need to talk about our sponsors, uh, Forest Precision Engineering. Uh, they're a subcontract Glasgow based engineering company and they have been a big commercial sponsor and supporter of Rangers for many, many years. Uh, and we're delighted to say that they, they help us with the pod as well. Uh, you can visit them at forestprecisioneng.com. That's F-O-R-R-E-S-T, precisioneng.com. Uh, another thing that you might be more interested in is the Forest Precision Executive Lounge, uh, which is a stunning hospitality area in the main stand. Um, and if you are interested in maybe booking a space there, um, uh, it's a unique area uh, at the club. You can uh, uh, send them an email at hospitality at rangers.co.uk and someone will get back to you with all the details. Okay. That's the bit I usually mess up. Um, okay. So I'm joined by, by Patrick tonight, as I said. It's just the two of us, Patrick. I don't know what that tells you. Um, either, you know, they've just decided that it, it only needs the two of us, that both of us can talk so much, there's no requirement for a third person, either that, or, or everybody else just has a life and they're away out on a Christmas night out or something exciting like that. But anyway, it's just the two of us. Um, and uh, I, I thought it was going to be, I'll be honest, I thought this was going to be a, a, a bit of a morgue tonight. I did think it would be you and I pouring over the entrails of another bitter defeat. Um, but... As we know, things change. So let's just get straight into this, Patrick, okay, because I have to ask you this. Is there anything in the world better than a last minute winner? Anything at all? Any subject uh, at all? Yeah, I, I think it's slim pickings. I'll, I'll raise you two options given the, the sort of festive period. I think for me, perhaps a, a plum stocking filled with chocolate on Christmas morning and perhaps that time in in around a week when the, the radios and the supermarkets turn off the Christmas music. But besides yeah. that, I think, I think it is quite close. Well, yeah, that's interesting. What was that? A plum stocking? Plump, a plump stocking. A plump chocolate. stocking yes. filled with chocolate. So basically just lots of chocolate. Yes, I don't yeah. know, I, I'll be honest with you, man. I mean, I'm, you know, I'm supposed to say, oh, well, you know, my wedding day or, you know, the birthday, the births of my children. But as neither my wife nor any of my children listen to this podcast, I can tell the truth and say nothing beats a last minute winner. There's a little part of me is still celebrating Peter Lovencrant scoring a last minute winner in the Scottish Cup final in like 2003 or something like that. So uh, nothing beats it. it it's, it's a feeling like no other in football. Um, and before the match, I was looking for us to take five off Aberdeen. Just, you know, give them a schooling. Be three up within 20 minutes, the rest of the match, an exhibition game. That's what I was looking for. I was miserable for most of that game. 
for most of that game, I was sitting cursing at the TV, texting friends saying, this is terrible. We're, we're going backwards, not forwards. Usual overreaction. Um, and then those two, three minutes at the end give you a feeling that, you know, 24 hours later, I'm still not down from. Yeah. And, I, and it's like nothing else. Football does that to you. And I don't know how it manages it. Anyway, before we get into the match itself, right? Before we get into talking about the interesting parts, um, the starting 11, um, when you saw it yesterday, there was the big surprise was Goldson. The big surprise. I don't think any of us expected Goldson to start. And I know that Bill had said before the match that there was going to be, uh, that Goldson was training again and, and you're a good chance of being in the squad. But I don't think any of us expected him to start. Um, and I certainly didn't expect him to start ahead of, of Davies or, or King if they were fit. So that was a pleasant surprise uh, to come in. Um, there were a couple of other things that caught my eye. Um, Kolach obviously still uh, still out, um, and Lundstrom was benched. Uh, what did you think of the, the starting eleven, Patrick? What did you make of it when you saw it? Yeah, I mean, Goldson was the obvious surprise, uh, a good one as well at that. I would have bet significant money that it would have been Davies if any of the senior centre backs or an injury leave would have returned. It would have been him. Just because uh, at least all the murmurings, both from Beale and, and around the camp, was that Davies was closer. Uh, I was surprised to see Sands partner him as opposed to King, but I think King was under the weather. I think he, there was a bug going around the camp. I, I don't know if I was racing it on the bench, but I think that's worthy of sort of being reserved in such a high intensity game. In in Apatodri, uh, the lunchroom being benched surprised me, but I I thought it was good. I don't think his problems has been particularly impressive in the last few weeks and, and and months even. But we are at that point where there's not that many people to go around, so I expected him to start, given the fact that he's not been playing well. But all our other number sixes, sort of defence midfielders, like equally have been quite poor. So it's someone's got to get out of the ruts. Um, but besides that, Cholak as well, I, I think Beal had said uh, this just came a bit too early, but expect him to be in there in about on Friday. Uh, and also Morales looked strong uh, aside Sakala against Hibernian. So th- those were perhaps not surprising, but I think the Goldson moment w- w- was the main one. And albeit he did look a bit perhaps sluggish, I think we can't blame him. He's been off for, for two months and he's probably not been rushed, but he's been maybe put a a few days ahead of schedule to get in there just for such an important game and a momentum builder. And that's exactly what it was. So I think that was good to see from him. But besides that, uh, I, I guess James Sands being in there uh, as opposed to King or Davies. Uh, but yeah, we don't have an exhaustive list of, of players generally that are amazing. And that's also a shorter list for the injuries. So there's really only 15, maybe 14, 15 players to pick from. So there's only going to be so many combinations. Yeah. Yeah, absolutely. Um, Goldson was obviously a pleasant surprise, and the fact he played all 97 minutes or 97 and a half minutes uh, is a good sign as well. Uh, I guess we'll see over the next couple of days if he's had any uh, after effects from that, if he's felt anything from that. With Davies against Hibs, he really only came on for, um, you know, for, for minutes uh, towards the end. So I, I guess there is still a, a question mark over his, certainly his match fitness. So I suppose in, in, in theory it makes sense. Goldson, Touchwood Goldson, someone who's had an incredible record at, at Rangers for, for fitness. <laughs> Barring the last couple of months um, and hoping he's got that behind him and that was just a kind of freak thing. So let's be interesting to see. Um, we started the match pretty brightly. Uh, you know, we did start the match well. Um, we went 1-0 we went up and I think when the lead came, it was well-deserved. 
was um, it wasn't against the run of play in any any way at all. And you know we were we were on top. Uh, the goal came from Sakala. It was a strange goal. Uh, he completely miscontrolled it and splashed his first shot. Um, their centre half uh, decided to give it back to him to have another go, uh, and he, he didn't make any any mistake the second time round. Um, you know, so it was interesting. Sakala started both league games under Bill. Um, Sakala's a player who's come in and out of the teams. He's not really a player who's ever managed to, to fully nail down a, a starting position. Um, Bill clearly likes him, um, or else he just hasn't got anyone else to play that position. Either way, um, you know, do you think he's done enough to, to, to stay in the team? Uh, he looked pretty bright uh, against. Hibs, I thought. Um, you know, I thought he was he was quite sharp against Hibs. You know, he started well as they, they all did. He fell away um, and then he got taken off. So do you think he's done enough to, to keep his position? Do you expect to see him uh, at Ross County? Um, would you like to see him at Ross County? Do you think he's a player who, who brings us something that, that really others don't just now? Yeah, I mean, I, I like Fash Sakala a lot. I think that's partly to do to his infectious personality. I think that goes a long way to him endearing himself. Uh, he, he speaks well as in interviews. And the lasting memory was the interview he did in, in some Zambian radio station before he signed, which was like an hour long, talking about how great the fans were and how it's one of the biggest clubs in the world. So that that's always going to keep him in my good books. <laughs> and, and he scores when he plays as well. I think I don't think anyone could argue against the fact that he, he, he is technically lacking a bit. His first touch bit deep, and I think. It's almost normal each game for him to be past the ball and him to just let it run out at once or twice. But luckily he did that after he scored his goal, not before. And so he had a bit of credit in the bank. But I think, yeah, it's a, it's a mix of both the fact that he's been playing fine and we have, I would say, probably a dearth of solid attacking options at this point, given that Cholak, obviously, for this game was injured. Lawrence's wasn't available. Um, Morales is slowly getting back to some sort of semblance of a Morales we recognise from two years ago or somewhat, but obviously that would be an interesting point going forward, especially based on sort of contractual dynamics. But I think it depends on what shape we've played. We've seen two pretty distinct ones under Beal so far, sort of a 4-3-1-2 or like a 4-1-2-1-2 sort of narrow with two centimetres, two up top uh, and Kent playing centrally. Then you've also seen us play a 4-3-3 that happened when you saw Scott Wright come on uh, with Ken on one side and then uh, right on the other and Relis up top. So I think if we play with one striker and Sakala is poised to play as that central option, I don't think he's done enough to keep Cholak out of the team uh, as an example, just because he has been scoring so well. Uh, Morelos is also, I think you could take 50-50 just on his sort of potential ability and what he might be able to do is on the basis is, is far more significant than Sakala, but he has looked fine under Beal, uh, better than under the late GBB, but not perhaps up to his best. Uh, but I also do think he could be an option out wide. So I would like to see him against Ross County. I think they'll probably, as you do in Dingwall, quite narrow pitch and small. They'll pack it. They'll force us to go and beat them and do as much as we can. And I think Sakala's sort of chaotic nature will engender some sort of chance. Uh, and, and he's looked a bit better recently putting them in the back of the net. I think he was a bit unlucky. He had a really nice almost snapshot from outside the box, which sounds a bit paradoxical, which just went over the, I think, the goalkeeper's left post. But that looked really nice. But yeah, I think it's a mix of him looking quite good, um, him having that sort of chaotic ability. He puts numbers up and that's what we've been missing for really post-55 season. 
Um, and, and I think he has some sort of ability to play and complement both Morelos and Cholak well, the classic big man, little man, fast one, or big man, little man, more with Cholak and height and maybe Morelos in width. I don't think he'll take that well, though. But uh, yeah, I, I would expect him to play against Ross County. Um, and if he doesn't, then I guess Matondo, uh, to an extent, can replicate the, the pace sort of impact because I do think we'll need that on the basis that we'll want to attack Ross County quick and dynamically every time they come up. Uh, and uh, to be fair, uh, the games against Ross County, if I think in the last 18 months, I think we've had three games that ended 4-2. So there might be some angle for Malcolm Kindness support to try and take it to us, especially since it's Friday, Christmas Eve, or uh, Eve of Christmas Eve, late, probably cold and dingwall, and there might be some cool complacency. But I would hope to see him in there. I wouldn't be too disappointed if not. Um, and I think it's just a, almost just a roulette of options that are all quite decent. You, you said something a second ago there about um, Sakala. If Kolak, if Kolak, if, if Cholak was fit, who do you think starts? Then up front, do you uh, think I mean, Sakala drops out for him, or do you think Morelos drops out for him? Yeah, yeah. If, if, we're he, playing, he yeah. Start? if we're playing a two, it'll be Cholak and Morelos. I think it's the sort of untapped potential energy from that we haven't seen at all. And Beal had alluded to that in his sort of conference uh, pre-Hibs, I think it was. And he doesn't mention that if there's no inkling for him to do so. And he knows that would appease the fans. I, I don't think the, the job of the manager is to appease the fans by selection. It's supposed to appease the fans and make them happy when they're leaving the game. So if we play with two up top, a distinct two, yeah, I think it could be Cholak and Morelos. But if we want to play with some extended width, with, with some two sort of narrow tens, yeah, I think we'd see Sakala just because I, I don't think Morelos can play any position outside of striker. And I think when Cholak is fit, albeit... He is somewhat limited in his ability outside of goal scoring, which sounds a bit funny to say for a striker. Yeah. Uh, that he will be, he'll be the ten, and he, he'll score goals. He'll be in the box, and, and we need someone to be in the box because against Ross County, they'll give up swaths of possession to us, and we'll need as many people all hands on deck to try and get the ball in the back of the net. So we're one 0 up, um, and then something changed. Uh, the game changed. The whole dynamic of the game changed. Uh, Aberdeen came back into it, uh, and before we actually get to their to their goal, um, you know, Aberdeen had their. Um, you know, I hesitate to say they were on top. I suspect there's possession statistics and things that might contradict me, but I felt that they had certainly come straight back into the game. Uh, were causing us problems. I probably had a couple of chances before their goal to score. That uh, we were kind of lucky that actually Aberdeen aren't all that good um, because I think a better team could have punished us. Um, what happened? Was it you know was it a tactical change from Aberdeen? Was it a tactical change from Rangers? Was it just one of these things? Um, you know why? How from being comfortable and coasting and looking the more likely to score to suddenly being you know frantically defending and 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 not defending in some cases relying on them to not be able to shoot. Um, what happened, Patrick? What, what, what do you think changed? I don't think it's one specific, like a, like a silver bullet, or to, per se, in terms of we we changed our shape or they did. I think it's just the natural rhythm of a game in which is high energy and one that, as much as you want to sort of Aberdeen players and fans would deny that they play up to it, that this is their game of the season and every right so they see us as their biggest rivals. I would say that. I would hope that our, we play best against Celtic if the, sort of the roles were to reverse. But, but I think it was just a, a, a run for them. They had their 15 minutes and they sort of extended that. And I think it perhaps wasn't Aberdeen playing any better, but it was us taking us foot off the gas, which is sort of 
diametrically opposed to what Beal said quite literally when he said he wanted the foot to be off the gas all the time. Uh, and we put firmly, we put, put into brakes. Yeah. Um, I, I think it was perhaps a more so anecdotally dominant from Aberdeen. The numbers still say that we were slightly better at the time, but it's not the idea that Aberdeen were better than us, but it's that they reached parity despite we had this early lead and we looked very strong in the first 15 minutes. You said you wanted a, you wanted a 5-0 at the beginning and after 15 minutes, I thought perhaps that might happen. Morelos had his shot, which was really well saved by Roos. Sakala had scored. Sakala had a shot as well. But, but I'm not exactly sure what happened, but there was just some breakdown in both our intent and ability on the ball and, and, and off the ball. And I guess that best culminated in the anatomy of their first goal where Sakala gives the ball away and Sands challenges it and then fouls and then McGregor puts up a rather tepid hand uh, and poor positioning, letting the, the free kick in. It, it struck well, but something that both he and I think any professional goalie would be a bit disappointed to let in. I think the expected post-shot expected goals, which sort of got, uh, gauges the quality of the finish where it's placed, put that at 0.15. So you should be only be conceding that 15% of the time per se. So he'll be very disappointed. Uh, but luckily, he was able uh, to sort of not be in the doghouse as much per se with the late game antics. Yeah, yeah, he he definitely should have bought Scott Arfield a pint last night on the, the way back down the road. There's no doubt about that. Uh, you know, I, I, like you, I, I felt McGregor was at, at fault for the goal. I, I'm not entirely sure if he just thought it was going in the other direction and just it wrong footed. I don't know what he did, but I mean, that for me, at that corner is the goalkeepers and, you know, I, you know, I freak out like that. I, I just felt it was, that was he was at fault. But McGregor started the season as number two. McLaughlin didn't really impress all that much um, when he had his chance. He then picked up an injury. Um, McGregor came back in. McGregor has made mistakes and also had some very good performances. A bit like last season. Uh, you know, There's a fallibility now to McGregor that perhaps wasn't there initially when he came back and certainly wasn't there when he played for his first time round. Um, it's not a huge surprise that he isn't the same goalkeeper he was 10 years ago or even five years ago. That, that can't come as a surprise to anybody. Age catches up with all of us. Is it time to give McCrory a chance? Do you think we need to bring in just a new goalkeeper altogether? Do you think we persevere with McGregor to the end of the season? What do we do then? It's, it's becoming a problem position. We're not a good enough team just now to give away a goal like that. Yeah, I, I think in terms of the sort of dynamics in the league, we don't need a great goalkeeper. We just need an average goalie. But if we want to progress more extensively in Europe, we need someone who's going to win us points. And both McGregor and McLaughlin now aren't average goalies. They're below average. I think the prevented goals per 90 stat means that McLaughlin is seeing us concede 0.6 goals more per 90 or per game than we should be doing. And McGregor at 0.3, which is the worst and third worst in the entire league. Ideally, I would love to see us go and get someone. Who's got the best in the league? It is the Kilmarnock goalkeeper, followed by Livingston's goalkeeper, then followed by Aberdeen's goalkeeper. But surprisingly, or perhaps not surprisingly, this season uh, is an incredible outlier in which I think nine of the 12 starting goalies are, are in the negative. And that's okay. incredible. I think it's just a, perhaps it's a swing from last year where you saw a lot of goalies putting in fantastic performances like uh, Craig Gordon uh, was about, far above average, Xander Clark. Uh, yeah. The same goalkeeper whose name escapes me, <clears throat> and even McGregor was a slightly above average. His problems last year were more so with his inability to come off the line and, and his ability to play the ball. But yeah, I think I said it in the summer that 
Obviously, there's some accountability to McGregor's poor performances, but ultimately we need to look at ourselves. So the fact that we're, we're continuing to play a, a club legend, obviously, but at 42, if we're relying on him to game in and out to keep us in games or obviously do that one big save which keeps us comfortable, then, it, then it's our inability to sort of contingency plan. And, and I think in an ideal world, contingency plans will have been put in in September or October to scout a goalkeeper to sign in January. Uh, and if not, we need someone in the summer just because there must be some questions if they see McCrory as the long-term answer and he hasn't been put in during a sort of period in which both of our goalies seem incredibly poor. I I don't know a better word than that to put. Yeah, you have to assume that McLaughlin... Well, I mean, Beal might feel differently, but you have to assume that that Van Bronckers just didn't fancy McLaughlin. He didn't get his place back. And um, if McGrory McGrory can't break into the side just now... Yeah, I don't know when it's going to happen. Um, I think we'd all been expecting a reaction in the second half in similar way to we'd seen at Hibs, where the, clean, the team came out and, and dominated the second half, dictated the pace of the game, took the game to Hibs, and, and Hibs had no answer to that. And I think I was hoping for something similar. I appreciate Pataudry away is, is a different game, and Aberdeen are a slightly better team than Hibs, but I'd been expecting something similar. That didn't materialise. And it came as no surprise when Aberdeen went 2-1 up. What did you think of their second goal? Uh, I, I don't think McGregor can, you know, I think he can be given a, a let off on that one. I don't think he was at fault. But defending up to it, for me, was a little suspect. What did you think? Yeah, it's a long ball. Sands sticks his foot out. He'll argue that any contact is good for him and someone should be there to pick up the second ball because... Rightfully so, their their sentiment, I think, Clarkson is shouldn't be given a free run. Yeah, I mean, Ryan Jack was yeah. standing five yards from him, just kind of watching him. He didn't seem to be terribly concerned that this. I mean, I don't know, maybe he'd seen the shooting in the first half and thought, well, there's nothing to worry about. Yeah, but, but he, um, he, I think he Clarkson, should have been closing him down. Yeah. Uh, when Clarkson returns to Liverpool from his loan Aberdeen, he'll have a fantastic catalogue of goals. I think he's got two top corner free kicks. So this is perhaps the guy for Aberdeen that you don't want to let strike from outside the box. I think anyone blaming now McGregor is probably a bit harsh. I think yeah. that's probably the best example of a of he could save it, and then it's a great save. Uh, and if he doesn't save it, it's, there's some murmurings of she should have. But I, I think it's probably unfair to think that he should save it. Um, and in terms of the second half reaction, uh, it kind of reminded me of the the game we played in, up in Aberdeen in January. I think it was the first game back after the break where we went up early. Hadji scores, he taps in. And then Aberdeen score, and then the second half is just an absolute drab affair in which it's just a sort of workman-like effort from Aberdeen, and, and we're unable to sort of just beat the bodies. It's not even an equality concern from Aberdeen's possession. They're just putting bodies in front of us, and we don't have the ability to break them down, which was a trend for the vast majority of, of the season so far. Uh, it's not entirely concerning that we haven't been able to fix it overnight because it's still the same group of players. Uh, Beal had three weeks on the training ground, but you're not able to sort of just fix the, the fundamental problem in this squad without any new bodies or perhaps an entire preseason. But that doesn't mean it isn't still frustrating to watch. Um, I think that the subs obviously made some difference, getting more bodies on uh, for as much as our field is a bit frustrating in possession. His qualities in the penalty box and his ability to be available in the penalty box are unquestionable. And sadly, sort of, unique in the squad. It's something we need a lot more of, especially in centre mid. I know a lot of people, I think, have been banging the drum of us, finding a goal-scoring midfielder for what seems like at least 18 months at this point. 
but it did it did seem like another one of those sort of St. Johnston games um, from just before the World Cup in which we sort of just limp to to maybe a draw, maybe maybe we get a draw like Livingston uh, when Lundstrom scored in the third minute, or maybe we get no points and and we look at ourselves and we're like, have we been done hard done by? Probably not. It, it did have the feeling of deja vu about it. Um, <laughs> you know, that's twice we've been behind uh, Hibs. We were you know one nil down and two one down to Hibs. We were two one down to Aberdeen, and both times we've come back and won. Does that tell us something about? The changes that Beale has brought in, you know, is that can that be put down to to Beale? Because that character was something that was largely absent uh, in the first part of this season, in, in my opinion, and I, I don't think that's a particularly controversial thing to say. Is, so, do you think Beale's done something? I mean, Beale himself in his post match said that um, he gave the team ten out of ten for character, five out of ten for for performance, and I think that's fairly accurate because the performance for all we went away happy and, and giddy and, and loving loving the way we won it it was a, it wasn't a good performance it was a poor performance and a better team would have um would have seen us off now thankfully in scotland there aren't too many better teams but there is one and if we play like that against them then then you know uh, we're in for a high to be quite frank so we can't do that but 10 out of 10 for character isn't something that we've said too often about rangers this season uh, do you think that's down to Beal? Do you think that's just because we've started to get some players fit? They, they've come back from their early winter break, um, a bit sharper, a bit fitter. Is, you know what's caused that? I mean, one would quickly post to the fact that I think we are tied with Celtic in the last eighteen months for the for the most points, either one in I think it's the last thirty minutes or from behind. But the difference between this sort of when we when we beat, let's say, um, St. Mirren, I think it's probably the one that comes to my head first. Uh, last year under Jared, when we scored two goals in the 43rd and the 44th minute versus today or Hibs, is that these are games in which you would not, not be surprised, but these are perhaps the fourth and fifth most difficult games of the season. Petotri away is probably outside of Celtic home and away, probably the most difficult game. You could maybe say Hearts away. Um, and it's not that we have this inability to come back. We've shown that in other venues, but it's to do so when we're playing terribly. Uh, there's a hostile environment. It's cold. Uh, I think that's completely underrated, but it, as is Scottish football. Um, and to do so back-to-back in the space of four days when we've seen a sort of, in the Hibs example, a pantomime villain score against us. And in the Aberdeen example, it's, a, I guess, the pantomime villain club outside of Celtic. So I, I don't think it's, something that's incredibly like important because we've shown the ability to do this before, but it certainly is exciting in the fact that this could have easily been very poor if both games stopped at halftime and we pick up the best part of one point in, in the six. But there is some ability and some intent that had been at least lacking on the eye, the, the numbers might deny, but I think this is a, the perfect example of a conversation in which the, the emotions and the eye overtake the numbers because we're fundamentally discussing our our appraisal of the clubs and the squad's ability to be emotive. And I think it was a good example of a, a player like Arfield who appears to know what it is as a Rangers fan growing up and putting in the hard yards. So I think if we can extend this and perhaps do so at a parkhead or, or in January 2nd, hopefully we, we don't go behind. But if we come away three points, if even if we do go behind, that will be the time in which this becomes, I think, an entrenched trend. But now I think it's just a, a nice phenomena, micro phenomena. 
Cool. Um, okay, as you know, we're up against it time-wise tonight. Frankie is going round the coal fields of East Lothian doing carol singing tonight after this. So, so we, I'll push on. I'll jump through a few things um, and, and kind of jump on to um, Ross County. Um, we were in, we were in an, inter, an interesting position last night in that we had three centre-halves um, fit-ish in our squad. Um, and we haven't had that for a little while. Um, so uh, I'm going to ask you about a couple of other people, but um, has Sands done enough to retain his place? Uh, assuming Goldson um, is, is fit, assuming Goldson is fit, I think a fit Goldson is first choice centre half, and I don't think that's changed. Um, do you think Sands will partner him, or do you see King or, 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 or Davies coming in uh, at centre half? How, how do you think that will line up against Ross County? Uh, the only Christmas wish is obviously for Davies, not just because they're both the individual two best centre-backs in the squad, but we need them to get some amount of minutes before they inevitably play uh, against Celtic on the second because they will both be fit in the best part of 14 days. So it would be nice for them to get some reps, as I think we've probably only seen them play together for maybe 300 minutes. I think that might be me over overestimating. Uh, I, I think Sands is perhaps maybe above only Lundstrom in the centre-back rotation, and that's not really that bad for, for, for Lundstrom's character, as he's, he's not a centre-back. I don't think Sands is one either, but anyway. Yeah, yeah exactly. <laughs> um, I think there might be some discussion as to whether you want to play, play Sands or King, um, but but I would probably go with King anyways. He's the orthodox centre-back, and it would be good to go for, for him to, to go to these sort of venues and play against strikers like Jordan White, tall, classic, sort of target man, uh, the sort of cream of the, the crop in Scotland, what you see, uh, and some interesting wingers they have. Jan Land is quite good, or Edwards. So I'd rather see him play than Sands, but ideally, when it comes to Friday and the, and the team graphic comes up, you'd love to see Davies and Goldson. And outside of that, I would take King. But I would prefer us to play our young centre-back, Promising, who's sort of tied his future to the club, than someone out of position again. Yeah, yeah, if he's fit, certainly, yeah. Um, staying with the defence, Adam Devine. Um, now, you're quite a young man, so you may not be aware of who Sidney Devine is. Do you, do you know who Sidney Devine was? Yes, I think it's his grandfather, right? He was well, is he his grandfather? I asked my, ask my dad, yeah. I, I didn't like to, to say that just in case. I was going to say that I've heard that rumour that he is related. Now, Sidney Devine, I, I don't know if you know who Sidney Devine was. Sidney Devine was a, a, a kind of country singer. Um, so, uh, if he is related, um, one has to assume that the, the squad karaoke um, mm -hmm. has been improved, depending on your view of, of Sid and Divine singing. Um, but, uh, you know, seeing Divine play as, as, a right, as a left back, when he's clearly right footed and is clearly playing out of position, I've been impressed by him. You know, I, I was holding my judgment after the Hibs game. Um, because, uh, you know, one game and uh, Ibrox and, you know, you, you think, but I actually thought he did okay last night, uh, considerably better than our right back did. Now, I've heard it said today that there, there was illness in the camp, I think you mentioned it yourself, and that certainly Tav was one who, who had a bug of some description, um, was perhaps not at, um, feeling at his fittest. Um, if that is the case, and if that's something that's lingering, personally, having seen Divine play at, at left back, I would be fairly comfortable with him coming in at right back. Um, perhaps even a fit Davies going into left back to cover. Um, and 
get uh, his left footed and 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 put De Bruyne right back. I've been impressed with him. What do you think yourself? What's what's your initial impression of Adam De Bruyne? Yeah, no, I've been. It's always great, obviously, to see uh, youth products blooded into the first team and playing. We saw a bit of him. I think it was Hearts away on the last game of the season last year. Uh, he's obviously a right back and one who's very right footed, as most right backs are. And him playing on the left goes against the, the orthodoxy of same side, same foot. When you play him on the left, it does offer some different sort of channels and openings on there because he's inverting, he's playing centrally. It gives Kent greater freedom on that left wing. I think it's definitely a short-term fix until either Barisic is back, hopefully quicker than that, Yilmaz comes back from injury. Yeah, And I think this is perhaps, his stock isn't increasing at left back, but I think it is at the right back. It provides sort of, allows us to have some sort of insurance that he can contend. Uh, he's done twice against two difficult teams who, who have decent wingers outside of his position. Uh, I think important thing we've seen is he's physically up to scratch. He can he might not be the strongest or the quickest, but he certainly isn't out of place in the science that we saw Hibbs target him quite explicitly. But I think that's as most teams will do with, with yeah. any sort of player we play a left back as Yilmaz is quite small as well. Uh, but I think he he certainly hasn't looked out of place. Um, and I think it needs must as in regards to Tab's fitness and the fact that He's played, I think, almost every minute at this point. And there was obviously a discussion throughout, I think, almost the entirety of the pre-World Cup time that he was running with an injury. Uh, and there was perhaps some considerations of the fact that that might have been true, uh, but they didn't want to throw in Divine just because it might have been a complete sink or swim at that point. And he's replacing the captain who, whether he's playing well or not, has such a massive influence on the club and, and, the, and the team they're playing 11. But no, I, I think it's been great to see him play well. Obviously, I think the next step in his progression is to see him play on his natural side yeah. and tick the box of him looking well and, and playing well at, at the premiership level. And you would, conventional wisdom would suggest that he should do so comfortably, considering he's done so twice uh, left back. Um, I think Beal had mentioned he might ring in the changes uh, for Friday. I would be surprised to see Divine start right back. I'd expect him to continue at left back. But um, if there is some sort of Time going forward, perhaps in the, the Scottish Cup game we have against St. Johnston in late January, if Borna or Yilmaz is back then, that might be a perfect time to give Tyler some extra rest and, and some well-earned rest at that, because he has been just motoring on for, it seems like, two, three years at this point. Yeah, yeah. Um, Ross County are third bottom, um, and they're only they're third bottom in goal difference um, from, from uh, I think, Kilmarnock, who are second bottom. Um, they're only three points off bottom itself. Um, they were in okay form before the World Cup, but they lost to St Johnston at the weekend. Um, you know, that should be a straightforward victory for Rangers. Um, you know, third bottom, um, they're not a great team, they're not defending particularly well. You know, this should be a straightforward victory for Rangers, everybody knows that. However, what we also know is that, you know, anywhere, you know, on a Friday evening in, uh, in Dingwall in December, it's a great leveller. Um, you know, on paper, this should be an easy victory, but we know it won't be. How do you see the match going, Patrick? I mean, what any St. Johnson, St. Johnson, any Ross County players we should be, you know, wary of? Um, you know, what kind of match are you expecting? Well, I mean, if last season, the season before, or any indication, lots of goals, we had that very disappointing 3 3, I think, in late January, early February of this yeah. year. We had the 4-2 at the beginning of last season uh, and we had the 4-2 at the beginning of last last season, two seasons ago. So I'd expect lots of goals. Uh, in terms of Ross County players, I think 
they hemorrhaged quite a lot of quality in their squad last year when obviously their two top scorers left, one left for a transfer fee, the other returns for Watford on loan. But Jan Danda looks quite good. His uh, metrics when you possession adjust, which is quite simply adjusting for possession. So it allows those players who play well but don't see much of the ball to sort of score higher in ranks. He looks really good and sort of aggressive and penetrative and dangerous Where does he come from, uh, Patrick? Do you from know? Swansea. Is he on loan or is he a signing? No, no, I think he signed up for his contract ended and uh, he's he's here. I think he might be the first South Asian player in the Scottish Premiership, which is obviously great to see some increased representation. Um, Awura Edwards on loan from Bristol City, I think it is. He's quite dangerous. Uh, I think classic of the, the genre of championship winners coming on loan here. He's really good until he gets into the box and he needs to work on his finishing, but he's probably my age, if not younger. So he has, he has plenty of time to work on that. Uh, outside of the players, I guess it's it's the pitch that is the pitch and the weather is is as you said the great leveler and that might be yeah. the thing that is perhaps on the greatest side to Ross County with all due respect um, and maybe if we if we kick the ball out of the stadium a few times because it obviously has has the low uh, hanging roof so that might be a good time waster for them if they do the same antics as Aberdeen did last night. Yeah, yeah, no, that um, I'll, I'll I'll bring it to an end because uh, you know the. the East Lothian carol singers are missing a, a, a baritone just now, and, and I'm sure that the locals can tell. So just very quickly, one of the highlights of last night was seeing Jim Goodwin at the end of the match, doubled over, <laughs> nearly in tears, to then watch his interview where, where he, you know, he just genuinely looked like someone had just come up and knocked him out. Um, and I have to say, I did take, I know I shouldn't, but I did take some uh, um, amusement in that. Um, I would thoroughly enjoy seeing the same thing happen to Malky Mackay, who, who has very few redeeming qualities that I can detect. Um, you know, we, we've lost Scott Brown, we've lost Neil Lennon in, in recent years. Who's, who's your hate figure just now? Who is the Beckmar of Scottish football for you, Patrick? Who is the, who is that person? My, I have an interesting one. It, it, it's probably from left field as there's very little overlap between Rangers activities and this group, but it's got to be, uh, uh, I wouldn't say a large group, I think that's far unfair to paint the, the fans, but uh, certainly a vocal group of Erdrionians fans who are continuously embarrassed their club with, with uh, spades of accused racial shill abuse to other players. I know Rico Kitongo, that was the high level one. And then they had the infamous... Uh, what they had said wasn't a Nazi salute fan, Nazi saluting next to a MAGA flag at, at the stadium. So I think they're far and away probably the worst. But I guess if you're looking for a comic one, maybe someone like Neil Doncaster, I think his haircut annoys me and he gets paid far too much for, for the product that we sell. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Neil Doncaster certainly would be on most people's, people's <laughs> lists as well, I think. Yeah, I, you know, I, I was thinking about it myself and I struggle to get past Portis. The thought that he might join us worries the life at me because, uh, yeah, I've, uh, he's currently, I think, my, my most disliked player. I, I'm struggling to, I mean, there will be some Celtic players I don't like, but I've not, none of them have fully, fully angered me. Um, there's that one they've got Forrest who's got no neck. I don't particularly <laughs> like him, but I just don't particularly like him because he's got no neck. And he's grown um, a beard now. He's got the, like, quite. That's not going to be a beard, to be fair. I mean, you're steady on here, Patrick. <laughs> Um, yeah, yeah, I didn't know that, but the no neck bit, I just, I'm, you know, I'm not, not a big fan of that. Um, so I know neck playing for Celtic, you know, that, that, that's, that's ticking a couple of boxes for me, but I still think Porteous. I don't, I think Porteous. No, I, I think the Porteous one is probably the A1 answer for that in terms of 
I think the majority of viewers and Rangers fans in general will probably not like him. Uh, I still think he's got the fact that he's quite young uh, and immature, but he's quickly growing out of that. I think he's probably 23 soon. And the fact that he's not terrible at football, I don't want to say he's good or the quality that Rangers need, but the fact that he is quite good for Hibbs' level makes him slightly less annoying in the fact that he can at least match up his, his talk with his walk as he did extravagantly at Ibrox when he scored and then went and sort of cupped his ear, which Duke did as well when he scored his free kick, which seems to be a prerequisite for the Rangers' comeback. So if yeah. we are losing to Celtic or Ross County, I do hope whoever scores from them puts their ear, hand to the ear and cups it and then we'll score uh, two to bring it back. Callum was a bugger. I don't know if you saw those. There's a cracking, there's a cracking bit on the internet this morning that somebody said to me and it's, it's an Aberdeen fan has filmed the two goals yeah. from behind the goal. Uh, so I, I saw it on television and, and, and so I didn't see this at the time. I don't think the television cameras caught it. But after both goals, Morelos, yes, Morelos just goes to the Aberdeen fans and starts giving them it, everything at large. And I was ending myself. We would have all these, all the rest of them. In fact, for the second goal, Arthur was busy trying to get the ball from him. We need to get back up the pitch and my brother pointed that out quite angrily and I, I said obviously after Arfield scored his third but Morelos knew he'd get the third and we'd win and he was just adding to the sort of comic relief of it like Patrick um, as I said we need to we need to call it early a bit tonight so um, listen thanks for your time it's nice to see you again and I appreciate your your insights and, and your thoughts on uh, what was a, a thoroughly enjoyable result last night um, and let's hope we see the same on Friday and we all go into Christmas with a big smile on our face so a Merry Christmas to you and your family and friends when it comes Patrick um, and just a reminder that the podcast is available on a variety of different platforms uh, it's available on the one you are listening to on it just now clearly it's also available on iCast, iTunes uh, YouTube, CastBox Stitcher and, and Spotify and I, I, quite, I still get a kick out of the thought that I'm on Spotify um, <laughs> I'll be honest with you that still gives me a slight kick um, there will be a pod on next, next pod I think it's Tuesday the 27th of December um, and that will be Scott and I think he's been joined by Stuart Weir and Ian Duff so they'll have a look at the Ross County match and preview the, the Motherwell match um, and that will be a significantly more professional one than this one has been um, just leaves me to say good night uh, or good afternoon or whenever it is you're listening to this um, please remember Jersnet you can see the forums uh, at www.jersnet.co.uk um, spread the word if you've enjoyed it um, and uh, thanks for, for tuning in and have a, a great Christmas when it comes. Thank you and good night.